Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the All by the Popcorn podcast. I'm Alessandra. And I'm Emily. And today we're going to talk about two movies that possibly could have been nominated for Best Picture, but were not. If Beale Street Could Talk and Can You Ever Forgive Me. Two very long titles. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. <laughs> both uh, both set in New York. Uh, both uh, actresses. Well, not not the main actress, but... An actress is is nominated for an Oscar, so mm-hmm. we're we're still still keeping with the Oscar theme. We're going to be very uh, Oscar heavy these next couple weeks. Getting ready. Yep, we are uh, all ready, and I'm very excited to talk about uh, the last couple films that we need to talk about that were nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, because you were right on the nose, Alessandra. We. Do not have very many left to watch. I am very surprised. Well, I watched all of the the Best Picture nominees before they got nominated. So I was... I've never done that in my entire life, and i just like to say I'm very proud, and I will say that again during the Oscar podcast. You had watched Roma before the nominations came out? Yes, I did. Mmm. Yep, I watched it last weekend, and it made me mm. cry. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to watch that. Um, but I guess let's... Let's just dive right in. Do we want to start with uh, If Bill Street Could Talk? Yeah, I guess that would be good um, because I, I watched Could You Ever, Can You Ever Forgive Me today, so I think it would be good to start with Bill Street. Although you saw Can You Ever Forgive Me way before I did, so. Yeah, I watched it a, a couple months ago, so I'll just, I'll try to, I'll try to recall. And same thing with If Bill Street Could Talk. I think I watched this like maybe a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while, but. Well, I saw the movie in theaters and. I was absolutely shocked because the very first um, shot of the film takes place literally right down the street from my house in New York City. Really? What? What's the first shot? It's when they're on the steps, those stone steps, and it's along Riverside oh. Park. And it's like right next to this bridge that, I, I don't know if you remember, but I pointed the bridge out to you when we were on the subway. And I was like, look at that cool bridge over there, and then you can see... Um, New Jersey, like right, like right as we go above with the subway. Yeah, I think so. I think I remember that. <laughs> well, you get to see like a glimpse of it in the movie, and also like part of the steps um, in Riverside Park that, that I've ran on before that I've been to, and I was like, just I, I mean, I was alone, and I was like almost screaming to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a very beautiful opening shot with like the two of them wearing I think it was yellow mm-hmm. I think they're both wearing like she was wearing a yellow dress or a cardigan or something and he was wearing a yellow shirt or a jacket or something yeah uh, just very very pretty serene opening shot and and just lots lots of shots after that as well just the 
the movie was shot very beautifully. An incredibly, um, like, slow but tense movie and just, just the most amazing, beautiful shots, like, that, that all were trying to make, like, this gorgeous piece of cinema. You know, it's it was just so nice to watch. Yeah, it really was. And at times I felt like it tried to be more like even though the story was very intense I didn't really get a lot of tension from it like Mm -hmm. you know there were some scenes you know like in the grocery store where like things are getting a little riled up and but but there I didn't feel like there were that many of those types of scenes because it was mostly just a lot of a lot of romance romance and I guess just discussion and 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 I and trying to figure out what they were gonna do yeah yeah, it it seemed like the more tense moments were with more people, like when they're talking to um, uh, Fani's family, and like they're kind of like the dad's kind of like a the anti of the mom, um, and Fani's yeah. like mom and his sisters are like complete like Christian do gooders, and so they just like are just com- like they just look down on everyone else. Yeah. And that whole sequence was just, like, shocking, you know? Yeah. I'm, like... I'm, like, trying to... to remember how I felt about this movie, because it's it's been a while. (laughs) Well, I would say it made me feel like there was... I loved it because it, it definitely brought the another perspective and like a very clear perspective of what it like what it would be like to be in the specific circumstance as an african-american in like you know the 1950s and just completely like no one actually like literally the entire world being against you and having like these opportunities like things are just completely anti- african-american so it just was so clear throughout the whole film how the injustice was and just how incredibly unfair every situation for this couple was um because of the fact that fani was being unjustly accused of a crime and yeah also like and the fact that he couldn't find housing yeah. Like it was taking him so long to just look for a place to live because he didn't want to live in that horrible um, place that he was currently in. Yeah, they wanted to find an apartment together because they were going to get married. And Tish, and then Tish had to work as a perfume lady, and she goes, like, she explains um, what it's like to be a, a black woman behind the perfume desk and how the men And how different treat people her. interact with her. Yeah, you know. and just... I mean, and her getting more and more pregnant throughout the movie and just seeing how people react to her that way. Um, Yeah, it was just, like, an extremely, like... I mean, the movie is so beautiful, but it's so sad. It's, like, I'm really glad that he didn't die, but it's also, like, we get that that little glimpse of, like, what it's really like to be in jail from um, literally... The man who's in like every single movie this year, um, uh, Tyree Henry, what's his name? Um, yeah, Brian Tyree Henry. He's like in everything right now. 
Let me see. He was the one that was in... Was he in Get Out? Uh, I don't think he's in Get no. Out. No. he's He no, was no, no, in no. that White Boy Rick movie. He's also in Atlanta. Um, he's also in Widows. Oh, oh, that's right. He was in Widows. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, he's in like oh, so many things. I remember him. Oh, he was really good in Widows. Yeah, well, in this movie, he just plays like one of his old friends. Um, one of Fani's old friends, and it's like he he like was in the slammer. So he has this. He he talks about how bad it is in there and how terrible the people really treat you. But you can see like there's this underlying like even because. It, because he's black, they even treat him worse. And, you know, he's probably getting raped and all that terrible stuff that happens in prison. Um, yeah, and I and I guess they never... Because the, the movie definitely appears to be... You're seeing everything through... Um, through what's her name? Tish's eyes. Like, because yeah. cause they, ne- they never show any scenes while no. while he's in prison. Like, it's you, like you never see Tish- anything. Tish and yeah. like until and then you get Regina King when she goes down to Puerto Rico. Yeah, that seems like the only. It it felt almost out of place that she went there because that this whole time we'd kind of just been following Tish and then now we just randomly start following her mom. Yeah, it was kind so of it, a it, little it kind of took jump. it off pace. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, but it definitely got Regina King the nomination because her that scene was amazing. She was like, I just. That shot of her when she's getting off the plane, and she's just got her sunglasses on and her, like, scarf around her head, and she, like, you know, gets there, and all these people are going on vacation, and she looks like she's going on vacation herself, but she's not. She's there for, like, something just to help to see if this lady will take back her claim on being raped by by Fawny. Yeah. And it's just... And when she's getting ready, like just seeing all those emotions like pass on her face, mm-hmm. like while she's while she's figuring out what she wants to do with her hair, does she want to, yeah, put it up in her wig? Does she want to let it all down? Like, and she's just she's just looking in the mirror, like probably probably like thinking to herself because she doesn't say anything. You're just like no. watching her watch herself, like you know what the hell am I gonna say to this guy? Like how am I gonna how am I gonna find this girl? How am I gonna do this? Like it's it's all blatantly there. Yeah. And she just did a fantastic job. I definitely think that she deserved it maybe over uh, Kiki. Because, I mean, even though I liked I liked Kiki's character and kind of how she played her, I just didn't think she was very dimensional. I kind of, no, she felt yeah. very, like... Yeah, yeah she, like, she definitely was... I think that that's the trouble with a lot of these characters in this movie, and that's maybe why it didn't get nominated, was because the story itself was more interesting than the characters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The characters were settled on a lot and it wasn't really about yeah. it wasn't really about the story. It it was about the experience. So that's why we yeah. get a lot of experiential shots where, you know, we get Fanny and we get Tish looking at each other, gazing into each other's eyes, understanding why these two people fell in love and we don't even really need a lot of explanation. It's just kind of clear how they feel about each other and the comfort that they get from each other. And so a lot of the the movie is that that side of the story, but then you know, there's also other aspects of of African American life and black life you know in in Harlem 
that I mm-hmm. think make the movie what it is. It's just, it's like a picture. It's a picture of a time, you know? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So that's why I didn't feel like the plot was really, like, it doesn't, I mean, it kind of has a plot, but, like I said, it it's really, like, more of, like, what is it, what is it saying, what is it really like to be at this time, in this place, you know? Yeah. And can we, uh, can we talk about uh, Dave Franco's character? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was so cute. I loved all these little, like, white guys that just popped up at, well, you know, not white guys, but, like, the random little characters in this movie that you just didn't expect. Yeah, like Diego, yeah, Diego in, the, Luna. in the restaurant, and that, and then yeah, and then Dave Franco when he's like offering them, like once they, so I guess it was this warehouse that they were gonna turn into like apartments. Yeah, I guess. I mean, this guy mm. like had no. I, I really don't feel like he had a plan, but it's like they no, could, it didn't seem like it. Yeah, I was like, this place, like I was totally siding with Tish on that one. Like they went down there, and I was like. Okay, but, like, you need plumbing. Like, where's the sinks gonna be? Where are the, the, like, kitchen? Like, where's the bathroom gonna be? Like, there needs to be... There needs to be plumbing that that needs to be built into this floor or this place, you know? Yeah. I just... I just loved... (laughs) The second I saw Dave Franco's shoes, I was like, yes. Did you see his shoes? Yes, I did. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Like, he was wearing... He was wearing socks, like, under some sandals or something. Yeah. Just, like... Or, like... Or they looked almost like, uh... uh oh. Didn't... Uh, my coworker has, uh, talks about these. I think they're called... Oh, I don't... I don't want to butcher it. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> Espadrilles? No. They're, they're like, little woven shoes that you can get in Mexico. Oh, yes, yes. I, like, I know like, what you're talking um, about. Like, like, or something. Are those, like, the ones that he gets in Welcome to Marwin? Oh. No. Oh, no. No. I don't think so. <laughs> Remember, no, she, I like, gives so. him the shoot. Anyways, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> she does <laughs> give him some shoes. Uh, yeah, also, we had, like, uh, we had Diego Luna playing um, Pedrocito. And he was, like, in the Mexican restaurant, and he got them food. And, yeah. And then um, we had Finn, uh, Finn, Whitrock, Finn Whitrock. Yeah. And Pedro Pascal, too. So it was, like, kind of, like, I didn't expect there to be so many people in this movie that I knew. Oh, that's right. Yeah. When I saw Pedro, I was like, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> and he's, like, I really, really scary. I said that to a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. he was. But, like, the just Regina King going against him in that scene in, in Puerto Rico was... I mean, she she's really wonderful. She really does it well. Um, and I, that's why yeah, I thought we then, should talk about this oh, movie in general because it's just like so many of these like quiet, like powerful moments, you know? Yeah, like especially when she first finds out that she's pregnant and she goes home. Like she tells Fani first, and then she goes home. Yeah, and she's just like sitting at this table with like very. Uh, uh, Kiki is a uh, Tish. She's sitting at the table, like trying to figure out how she's gonna tell her mother that she's pregnant. Yeah, and and you could you can see uh, Sharon Regina's character just like looking over at her, knowing something's wrong. Like oh, she I knows. just loved, I loved watching her like like just look at people yeah. and 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 like react to them because mm-hmm. she didn't 
she didn't need to talk. She just had it all right there, and you could see, like, oh, something's wrong. Something's wrong with Tish. You're right, and she just kept going, doing her little tasks, like preparing dinner or whatever, and just knowing that her daughter's not, like, something's up, but she's still going to act like everything's okay, you know, and just... I love that she, we didn't even get Tish saying I'm pregnant to her mother. Um, we just get her almost saying it. Like we watch her prepare herself to tell her, her mother this. Yeah. And then we don't get the line until later, you know. Like when she tells her father? Yeah, when... Like she doesn't even tell her father because Regina King does. And she's like, we're celebrating because Tish is going to have a baby. Yeah, we're celebrating a new life. Okay, yeah. You know. That's interesting. I I don't remember that. Yeah, she doesn't actually say... I I, I don't recall her actually saying it. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, maybe she did. It just just was like you're focusing so much on... There's a a lot of, like, medium shots, close-up shots of people's faces. Um, Just... It's straight in line with the camera, which kind of really invites you in to to look at them even more um, and admire them or scrutinize them like with the cop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just felt like in terms of this book, like you could really see how this probably wasn't a very long book, but it was like transformed into this slow opera of a movie. Yeah, it definitely, yeah, I, I can agree with operatic. I also remember this scene very vividly of, I think, Fani is laying down in his uh, prison bed, and he's, like, you can see, it's like switching. It's between him, like, wood wood uh, carving oh, yeah. in, his, in his house, and, like, with all the smoke everywhere, I think he's, like, smoking, mm-hmm. and there's, like a, like, a beam of light coming in, and it's almost like dancing around him as, like, he's he's making this sculpture and then just going back to him, like, it tears streaming down his face. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very, like, very vivid. Like, just, just very memorable scenes. Yeah. Even though, like, nothing, nothing, like, really plot-wise was happening in them. Just very beautiful. Yeah, it's just kind of like a slow transition from being in denial that this happened to him to kind of accepting it and, like, having to accept it in the end. And then, like, his son, like, only seeing seeing him in jail. You know. That's right, because, yeah, unfortunately in the end they couldn't... They couldn't get him released. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, really sad and horrible and you know... It's just one of those yeah. things that you just watch and you're just like, this is the this is the pain so many people have felt, and and it's that's like you just are forced to sit with it the whole movie about how wrong it is and everything. Yeah, yeah, thought it was really good. So, um, I just want to say how absolutely gorgeous Fawny was, Stephen James. Oh my god. Very beautiful. So gorgeous. <laughs> like he's on screen so much and all you get to do is just like stare at how beautiful he is. 
Yeah, with those great, like, just those long close-up shots. Yeah. You just see how beautiful, how beautiful everybody is. Yeah, you know how in the Moulin Rouge we get those those really beautiful shots of uh, Nicole Kidman? Because you could tell that Baz Luhrmann was, like, totally in love with Nicole Kidman. So he just, like, has these really long, beautiful shots of her and the light's all dramatic and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's how Barry Jenkins feels, like, with all of his characters. He's just like, look how much in love I am with all these people. Like, let's just see them so so beautifully for who they are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it got a uh, 87 Metascore, which is pretty high, uh, and it is kind of a shocker that it didn't get nominated because it has such a high Metascore. Yeah, and and I mean, I felt I felt like there were a lot of aspects that were really good about it that would at least get it nominated. Yeah, but I guess it wasn't enough. I I don't know. I guess not. Let me see. I guess Bohemian Rhapsody was enough. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's just so it's just so sad because I I really. <laughs> I really enjoyed Bohemian Rhapsody, but I don't want it to win. <laughs> I really don't think it deserves to win, but I loved it so much. Let's save let's save it for the Oscar podcast. Oh, that's right, that's right. Shush, shush, shush. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll save that. Let's see. I'm trying to see if there's one I like. Um, okay. Okay. Here's what, I, I feel like I agree with this one. The uh, 83 Entertainment Weekly says, in some ways, Beale, Beale, if Beale Street Could Talk feels less like a movie than a well-staged, meticulously shot play, a period piece that floats beyond its specific time and place and into the realm of allegory. Yes, I remember reading that one. It is so true. It's basically an allegory, you know? It's, or it's a giant... Yeah, like story that's not just one specific story, but many stories, you know. Yeah. And I feel like this one really, really covers it as well. The Guardian gave it an 80. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a film with love at its roots, both familial and romantic. The, and Jenkins fills so much of it with a radiating warmth. That's why it was like, yeah. it was it was hard to think of it as like a very like dramatic or sad movie. Because yeah. in the end, there was always so much love there. Yeah, that like it didn't, true. It didn't feel very sad because in the end, yeah. you, you still had people around you that cared about you. That I think, I, and I love that because when she's having the baby, um, like oh yeah, when, in the tub, ugh, the tub, which is a gorgeous scene, and she has the baby, yeah. and the mom is like saying to her, "There's always going to be like right right before she has the baby, she's laying in bed, and she's like, you're the one who's going to take care of this baby, and that's the most important thing.'" And you are the most important person to this child. And mm -hmm. the only person that matters is you. And it's because life is growing inside of you. And, you know, and then when she has the baby, you just remember those words so clearly. Like, this is the life that you have now that it is, like, going to be yours and yours forever. You know, it's kind of like, it was just so beautiful. This birth was just so gorgeous. Um, yeah. And... I, it, ju it just had so much emotion because because her mother was there and it was like, look at this, just, I, I don't know. It it was a very warm and loving film for 
having such a sad premise. Yeah. Uh, I want to read, I guess, this other one. The Screen International one, I gave it an 80. If Beale Street isn't quite as seamless as the Oscar-winning Moonlight, this adaptation of James Baldwin's novel still proves to be a strong, absorbing experience that articulates something ineffable about everyday, everyday life. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's been a while since, since I've seen Moonlight, which this is making me want to watch it again, but I feel like Moonlight was kind of like this, like just yeah. about about living life, about everyday people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what Moonlight had was more of a plot or more of like, cause, because of its structure, it kind of propelled the story and the uh, phases of Sharon's life, you know, where it is, this is like yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. But definitely. still like really similar like feelings um, in terms of like sitting with, with the uncomfortableness of Moonlight. You're like sitting a lot in that or you're sitting with comfort or you're sitting with these people who actually care about you or like, you know, it, it just kind of was is more like that. Yeah. Let's see. Do we want to move on to the plot keywords? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's see. The plot keywords a black American pregnancy rape female nudity and crying man is that <laughs> does that feel like uh yeah Bill street could talk uh, the, i feel like love should be like the, the number one thing like romance i guess yeah i'd say the whole movie is is a love story in itself a love story with you know not just between the two main characters, but also the love between family members. You yes, know. and and the lives yet to come. Like it's, mm-hmm. and just loving each other really, yeah. even in the worst of times. Even like friendship, like really close friendship, or you know, acknowledging the other's existence. <laughs> yeah, really though. Yeah. So. Well, there we All go. All right. That was If Beale Street Could Talk. Let's move on to Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yep. Uh, Which is definitely a bit more dramatic and very tense. (laughs) Yes, very tense. Um, This movie takes place in New York, but in the 90s, early 90s. Um, Mm -hmm. Also directed by a woman, Marianne Heller. Uh, and a mostly female crew, oh. I heard, was actually a very female-oriented movie in production. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, she's... She looks very young. Yeah, Ma- I... Mar- Marielle Heller. So, this movie, mm-hmm. I'm... Again, I think it is a little odd that it didn't get nominated, but then again, I could see why it didn't... Um, but it did have that that feeling. Like, it had that Oscar feeling. So it kind of was like, well, why didn't it? Because it was a good movie. And, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, at least get nominated. I mean, it doesn't have to win, but at least get nominated. Well, we did get two major nominations for Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant. So I don't know if you, you watched uh, Richard E. Grant's little video that he made, but he was, like, gobsmacked that he got nominated. 
Oh, really? Oh, I gotta watch that. He was so good in this. Oh, yeah. He he does this little video, and he's like, he's standing outside in the middle of New York, and he's just like, I can't even, I can't even speak right now. This is insane. I can't, thank you for nominating me. Oh, that's adorable. Was it on, like, Twitter or something? Yeah, I think it was on, like, Instagram or Twitter. You should definitely check it out. He's, it's very okay, I'll cute. I'll have to look at that. Um, uh. So, uh, I think after watching this movie that I was, like, satisfied with watching it, but it was pretty much exactly the way I was thought, I thought it was going to be from seeing the trailer. Um, it really, t- it really took, like, an interesting turn because I didn't think she was going to keep doing like her forgeries after she uh got caught basically yeah yeah that was very risky move but you know i feel like she was almost like drunk or high with power that like you know the (laughs) adrenaline that she just wanted to keep doing it and it was paying good money i mean and she really needed it yeah um but i i guess i guess uh i didn't think that melissa mccarthy's character would be like such an asshole. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. She like, was... Like, as much of an asshole as she was. Yeah. Like, I did not expect that. I think that was, like, the only thing. I mean, she was, like, unlikable to a lot of people and a lot of, like... It was just clear, like, with her frumpy look and everything that she, like, didn't really give a crap about her, her like, a lot of things, you know? True, true. Um, and she was a good writer but she didn't know how to write in her own words like she didn't know how to be herself or talk about herself and so that's kind of like the whole through line of the film like she's a seriously struggling writer yeah cause I mean sorry I'm just I'm trying to recall everything but I guess I don't know where I'm going with this. Where do we want to go next? <laughs> just keep talking. <laughs> just keep talking? Okay. Well, yeah. since I literally just saw this movie, and you saw it, like, two months ago. Um, so long ago. It was so long. It was so long. Um, did you like this movie? I did. I really enjoyed it. Like, I... I, I, I loved how Lee and Jack, like, kind of... How they work together and kind of kind of watching her, I guess, be proud of herself almost, because it, it was very sad seeing her very down in the dumps in the beginning, especially when her cat dies. And, oh, yeah. And and how she was, like, uh, not paying much on the rent. Like, she was, she was late on rent, and she just was not, she wasn't living in very good conditions. Like, the scene where he comes in and helps her clean her house. Oh, yeah. Because her house was just disgusting. Um was just crazy and kind of seeing seeing how writing this like made her happy because I mean people honestly thought that that these were real and it was and it was very interesting um and kind of all the avenues that she that she took with this I I liked how she went to multiple bookstores and how she went to that convention to kind of like yeah that like writers buying convention to kind of see what the stakes were and like who to watch out for and and kind of the lengths that she took, it was it was very interesting and very well laid out and detailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was very intrigued. Like I, I really want to read this book. Actually, like when I left, I was like, "This yeah. was crazy." Like, I, I want to read more. I totally want to read more. And then it said in the credits, like it one of the forgers actually ended up in like one of the biographies of the people because she did it so well. Yeah, and it, it just kind of was like, 
I felt that she was not doing things properly like, to make it seem like it, she just took it too far. Like she just went. She should have only done it like four times, five times, and then stopped. <laughs> like you know, like cause... yeah, like ju- just something to get her back on her feet. So that yeah. because again, I, I guess she was a good writer. It was just no one was interested in what she wanted to write about. Yeah, and so that was, I guess that was a little sad because you know. I, people have a lot of different interests and then I thought it was nice that she found that that bookstore owner that she liked and um and she in turn liked her writing mm-hmm. I yeah I was kind of sad that we didn't get kind of resolution with that because you could tell that she was kind of into her and the other girl was also kind of into her um yeah but she was like living in a lie and she's an asshole so like <laughs> she wasn't gonna make it work <laughs> yeah and she definitely wasn't done with she wasn't done with this yeah <laughs> with all of it yeah so i think i recognized that lady who played was it anna anna dolly wells oh no never mind she just looks a lot like another actress that i know remember that actress that's in um in uh the greatest showman the one who plays the opera singer lady Oh, yeah, that lady. Yeah, she looks, like, a ton like this lady. Yeah, she does. Yeah. She really does. I mean, I knew yeah, it wasn't crazy. her, but... Um, I also love that... Who Who is it? Uh, Jane Curtin from Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is in this. Yeah. She plays Marjorie. Oh, I love her. Oh, uh, so oh, Melissa man. McCarthy uh, it was born in 1970... And she's supposed to be playing a 51-year-old woman in this movie. And she's, like, 48 years old. <laughs> 49 That's years pretty old. Damn. That's pretty close. Yeah, That's really close. close. But then... That, close uh, enough. The girl, um, Anna, she was supposed to be portrayed as younger than that. Like, remember, she was like, oh, you're much younger than me. But Anna was born in... Dolly Wells was born in 71. So they're, like, the same exact age. Oh, but yeah, she she looks she looks a lot younger. Yeah. Let's see. I was gonna see if there's any cool trivia. Um, I liked this movie because I, I did like the way it was laid out. I really liked the screenplay. I thought it was a a fun like just to see where I could go, how she would get caught, and you knew she was gonna get caught. Um but also Richard E. Grant was such a highlight of this movie because he was like he was like a gay best friend but in a so much more complex way he was an older man he was just really quirky and fucked up a lot and just completely like an energetic attracting person you know like i think that's really what got him the nomination um, yeah, and he was a really great counterpart to Melissa McCarthy's character. Because yeah. honestly, if we yeah. just if we just had a full movie of just <sighs> Melissa McCarthy running around being an asshole, like I, I would have been way less interested. Yeah, like, you would have hated her and have been like not on her side about things, you know. Yeah, but you definitely needed him there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really glad that he got nominated because it's definitely uh, he was he really was this guy. Like, he really was this character. And, um, you know, even though they don't say it at the end of the movie, basically, he died of AIDS because 
he slept with all those guys and it was 1991. Um, yeah. Which is like so sad. But apparently they were friends or ish. Friends-ish. You know? Like she didn't have any friends. No, she did not have any friends. Let's see. So much like if Beale Street could talk, can you ever forgive me? Also got an 87 Metascore. Exactly the same. Which this this was not planned. I was like, Alessandra, how are we going to tie these two movies together? She's like, well, they're both in New York. And, and I was like, okay. And they're both nominated for, uh, both actresses are nominated. So, okay. And then I was like, and an 87 Metascore for both. There you go. Yeah. They're equally, there you go. <laughs> equally snubbed. <laughs> Equally snubbed. Yeah. Wow. Okay, but save it. Save it for the Oscar podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we'll we'll say a lot more. We'll elaborate a lot more when we're talking about the Oscars. Um, oh, I like this because it talks about Richard uh, Richard E. Grant. Uh, Slam Magazine gave it a sixty three. Richard E. Grant is captivating on his own, but his rapport with Melissa McCarthy is so effortless that their characters' conversations offer deeper pleasures than the main plot of the film. Definitely. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I would say that. I, think, I mean, yeah, the the plot was really repetitive, so you really had to yeah. have these character interactions to kind of liven the story again. Yeah. It did seem like it was a tad long in that sense that it, it she just, you know, it didn't get to her doing this until too, a little too late, I think. It That's was, right, because you kind of watched like, her struggle a bit more. Yeah. It took so long for her to figure this out. I think it was like 25 minutes into the movie she finally started, you know. Yeah. So, in that sense, I thought it was a little bit drawn out, like, could have been a little snappier. Um, That's true. Yeah, yeah. I'll agree with that. It seemed like there was just a lot of, like, little, tiny little extraneous things, but all all in all was, like, you know, a very well-constructed movie, but... Oh, this one's interesting. Uh, Screen International gave it an 80. Director Marielle Heller is less interested in the machinations of Israel's scheme as she as she is the psychology behind it, giving us a touchingly understated portrait of self self loathing and loneliness. Oh yeah, that's a really that's good review. That yeah, makes so really much sense. And and it, Melissa McCarthy is so masterful in the way that she plays this lady because you're you feel so bad for her because you're just watching her go through there there were a lot of shots of her face a lot of things like her reacting to things um and we just got like so many so much emotion from her from from somebody who probably just like can't find their place you know and watching her just go through it, the the purest joy to the to fear when she's talking to these you know buyers to complete sadness and despair when she loses her cat and then in the very end just talking to the the judge about how she was thrilled about everything but she also was just sad you know and oh yeah the 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 court scene at the very end oh i remember that yeah so it was just kind of like really sad really like you're you're what you want to like pity her you know and but then also she's the one who got herself in that situation. So you're you're kind of like, well, then what are you going to make out of this? And what she makes out of this is writing a book about it. And then that book becomes, like, bigger than anything else that she's done, you know? 
Yeah. It almost reminds me of, what was it? Um, in psychology class in college, we were watching, uh, we were watching this documentary kind of about, what was it? It was Jackson Pollock paintings and how one guy had found one and, and they had like a, like an analyzer, like scientifically analyze it for like DNA and everything pointed back to it being legit uh -huh. and, and, and like some artists still wouldn't take it. Like, it's just very, it felt very niche, niche, niche. Yeah. Right. And, and I really like that about it. Cause it was just like, it's so, so uppity and like snobby. Like people were, were buying letters between famous people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and Richard E. Grant is like, what the fuck? I don't even understand. Like, why would anybody want that? Yeah. Why would, why would someone pay like thousands upon thousands of dollars for these? And it's just, and it's just a very, it's very focused and, and like a very small portion of people that do this. And I think that's, that's very interesting. I like, I like when things are very focused on a specific topic. Hmm, yeah, I agree. I think it's really interesting when, when movies do that, like hyper-focus on one specific thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe something that you don't even necessarily know about, so you kind of learn about it while while the character is learning about it, like how, how to forge letters if you... Yeah, I and mean... What, what would go into that? Uh, and she had all those different typewriters, and yeah, it was just kind of like, <laughs> this is such an elaborate ruse that... Who, who, who? Anybody but but her would be able to pull it off over time, you know. And she and it said in the end that she sold she sold like four hundred forged letters. Yeah, I mean that's how, a lot. Yeah, and how it was crazy how she she found a letter. Her first letter was just in a book, and she tried to sell that. And then they're just like, oh well, this is just kind of boring. Like, I don't, I don't want it. It's like, oh, I'll just make it more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was so funny. Like, it was, like, I definitely would not, uh, I mean, I guess I'd call this movie a comedy. I don't know. I'm, I'm very weird about genres. Like, something yeah, has to be over, overly something to be considered something. But yeah, just very funny. Like, just, oh, I don't want this. It's not, it's, it's like, the, like, also the substance of the letter is what they're buying as well. Like, oh, I want something juicy or, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I like this Very enter interesting. Entertainment Weekly. Um, Can you ever forgive me's premise? It's so low-key outrageous. It would almost have to be true. And it is. A shaggy, endearing, dour portrait of the kind of true-life eccentric New York City hardly seems to make anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's so outrageous, it's it's hilarious. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So funny. Let's see. Let's look at these plot keywords. Yep, yep. All right, we've got based on a memoir, publisher, deception, fraud, and forge forgery. That's it. That's the movie. There you go. There you go. I mean, I would pro I'd probably add like unlikely friendship in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the gaze, you know. Yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah, well, which is kind of a nice because this movie is like, it's just subtly. I don't know. It, it's it's it is like it is about two gay people, so it is an LGBT like movie. So it's like that's also good, and that's also why it should have been nominated for an Oscar because it's just got this. Yeah, that's just the way it is, you know. Uh, 
she's she's shit at relationships and uh he has a bunch of boyfriends and he's old now you know it's just kind of like that's it like it doesn't ever really focus on it at all other than when she's like having relationship issues that she just like doesn't understand why she can't ever be happy you know yeah hmm well i don't have anything else to add or anything else alessandra yeah no no well that was (laughs) can you ever forgive me (laughs) yeah and uh if you haven't seen it and you just listen to our whole discussion um i would find it it's a fun movie i will watch it yeah I liked it with with like a tall glass of wine. Just sit down and watch this movie. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that's that that, be, that's what I'd call this movie. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. And uh, if you would like to email us, you can email us at allbythepopcornpodcast at gmail dot com or allbythepopcorn at gmail dot com. Any comments or suggestions or like anything you have to tell us about the Oscars? What do you think's going to happen this year? We'll find out. Yeah, let, let us know your theories before we officially record and post ours. We'd love to know what you guys think. Um, but that's that's not going to happen for a couple more weeks still. But still, let us know. Let us know. Uh, if you want to get notifications on new episodes being released, you can follow our various social media. We've got Twitter, at ByThePopcorn. Instagram, at I'll Buy the Popcorn Podcast. Right? Yep. And then Facebook, just search All By The Popcorn Podcast and like our page. And uh, if you liked this episode or any previous episodes, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear what you guys think. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you guys next time. Bye! Bye! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 